Hi, everybody. You're listening to BBS Radio. Who is the model of the first internet radio networks? It's really true. Today, we have someone who I think is going to really blow your mind because she did mine. Um, her name is Eve Lorgan, and she's an author, a researcher, and a consultant in trauma, offering hypnotherapy, coaching, and telephone counseling services. She's really, she runs the gamut here um, for paranormal trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, sexual abuse, anxiety, and depression, trauma and addictions, emotional and verbal abuse, narcissistic abuse, which is pretty interesting. I didn't even, we'll, maybe we'll get to that. Dangerous relationships, boundary issues, compassionate communication skills, developing inner empathy, and deepening our source spirit connection for our life empowerment, really. So Eve has also written two books, and that's how I became acquainted with her. By the way, I just want people to know I don't usually go and ask many people. Eve is someone I absolutely asked to be on this show. I read both of her books. The first one is The Love Bite, and the second one is The Dark Side of Cupid. I read them both several years ago, and they I, I couldn't believe it. I am, you know, by now I'm very down to earth, very grounded for a psychic medium. And I'm a little bit skeptical of conspiracies and aliens and all that stuff. But Eve made me a believer. Please welcome Eve Lorgan to our show. Oh, thank you for having me on. Hi, Eve. It's good to be here. I'm, I'm very glad. Eve, can you just tell us what got you started with doing this? Uh, well, I actually started probably, I mean, late 80s, believe it or not. I always had an interest in UFOs and alien encounters, the whole ET contact, abduction, and also the anomalous um, kinds of things that I found out as a result of researching this. So long story short, I ended up... Um, going from biochemistry to oriental medicine to counseling psychology and also hypnotherapy while I was researching alien abduction more particularly, although many things came about as a result of just studying that and ufology because it turns into a very broad spectrum of, of things, um, including what we call the MKUltra, super soldier, my lab phenomena, and uh, near-death experiences, the paranormal experiences that go along with that. So I, I learned an awful lot in, over the time that I got my degree. I got a counseling degree, uh, a master's, after I did the biochemistry for a while. And um, I decided I want to be a therapist and help specialize and work with people who've had, I, I just call it anomalous trauma now because just using the word alien or UFO or ET tends to get some frowns and a lot of disbelief. It's considered fringe. So I just kind of keep it more on the anomalous side and paranormal. And that, that actually helps keep it a little more credible sounding, although a lot of it does sound absolutely wild. But I, I must tell you, these things do happen to, you know, a number of people. I mean, a broad spectrum actually of society is probably having experiences that's related to this phenomena and may not even know it. And that's actually something that I discovered while doing um, research and corresponding with the late uh, Barbara Bartholik, who was a, a longtime UFO investigator and a hypnotherapist who did things for alien abductees. So she actually worked with Dr. Carla Turner as well and Jacques Vallée. So I learned a lot from her experience as well as my own and running a support group. So I, I came across what Actually, Barbara called it the the drama of the love obsession when she ran across unusual love obsessions that were orchestrated by the, quote, alien handlers that were operating in a particular abductee's life. Although I found that it's not just that abductee, for example, who will have a multiple abduction history, usually, that these aliens will manipulate. In fact, it will; those aliens can manipulate people who don't have those histories and with great ease, actually. 
this was actually demonstrated in one of the cases, um, well, in several cases, but Barbara Barthlick had donated to me one of her case histories that I actually put in my second book called The Dark Side of Cupid. And in that, uh, I can't remember the names because I've, I had to change all the names, right? So, but long story short, that it basically demonstrated that during a missing time event where an abduction took place, uh, the woman was late for work several hours, but uh, strangely enough that her superiors at work didn't really uh, respond or react in an abnormal fashion to her lateness as if it just kind of glossed over in their minds. So people can be manipulated surrounding an event that someone has in order to maintain actually the security and the amnesia of the entire event itself because sometimes it involves more than one person at a time, like group abductions that can occur. So, you know, this is actually a very broad phenomena that you know, I started out actually studying a lot about ufology and UFO sightings and different kinds of encounters. But really what caught my interest was people who are having, you know, close encounters and contacts and abductions and then repeated abductions in their lives and in their family lines. So that basically is happening. And I think it's um, related to a type of genetic bloodline study for certain lines. And they also will orchestrate and engineer uh, love relationships as well as the people we marry and in order to maybe have children of a certain stock. Or they also just put people together for other reasons, which was described in the love bite. So one would think that this is more about the hybridization uh, project or agenda, which is basically a genetic hybridization type of agenda that most people are actually familiar with in the abduction literature. But what I found is that that was not necessarily so. That's actually just a part of the agenda which would help um, help them, let's say, in the, the stock that they want to have for exploitation. Uh, a large part of that will be how are they going to continue those lines for the long-term harvesting of what they're doing. So the harvesting is actually more of a uh, emotional energy, sexual energy, and a life force energy type of thing. And this I actually brought out in more clarity in The Dark Side of Cupid because I wanted to bring this to the attention of people who maybe didn't necessarily uh, relate to, let's say, having an ET contact or an abduction, but they knew they were having some form of what I call the hyperdimensional interference in their lives and especially within a relationship or a love relationship. And so there really is a connection, although not everyone who has this is necessarily someone who's, let's say, has an abduction or contact history. So this actually goes into a lot of study that really ultimately the ultimate thing that I really wanted to bring across was the, um, the dynamics and the recognition of what I call an energy vampirism or energy harvesting type of operation. Great. Can we just stop here for a minute? Sure. This is exactly what I think we want to talk about. Um, what I'm going to ask you is to keep us um, in on the right level. So what you're saying is that they come here and they have different, you know, things they want to do. One of them is to have people mate and have a kind of hybrid. Is that correct? Yes, um, they will okay. probably follow lines and engineer certain relationships so that that they have children. Yes, so I would right. say yes. And then the other one that they may do is not actually even want us to have children, but to just study us romantically um, for our emotions. And yeah. they might be getting something out of that, but I don't know what. Is that true? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've thought about this, that um, the time of study is actually over in terms of, um, you know, how much do they really need to study is, is the question because they know enough about the genetics and they know enough about predictability and behaviors. Although there is there's always a wild card in the human because of our spirit, our eternal spirit. Mm -hmm. But I think that they it's it's not just a scientific study. I think scientific study is part of it, but it's really more of a harvesting operation of exploitation of a of a resource. So they're doing whatever they can to manage the resource as best they can for what they want from us. But what is it? 
Well, I believe it has to do with um, the life force and the emotional energy and the sexual energy. And I think it's something that probably comes from what I call the eternal spirit aspect of our being. That is, it's, it's somewhat of a elusive thing, really, but we know that it can be found in the blood, for example, that the, the spirit is in the blood. I don't know if you've often heard that, that but it's also can be contained within the, quote, genetic container of our bodies. Oh, so, wait, wait. Can I just stop here? Don't aliens have an eternal soul or something? I don't believe all of them do. I think they have a different type of being. And this is something that um, I studied and corresponded with Dr. Corrado Malanga of Italy, who is a he's an organic chemist and uh, professor, but he also studied alien abductions and a lot of research with alien abductees in some types of hypnotic regressions. And the type of things that he did, he was able to assess something he called it was actually a, a triad color test where you assess the quality and the frequency of the triad of consciousness. And so he notated that as mind, spirit, and soul uh, and under his uh, definition, which was Italian to English, which actually translates maybe differently in other cultural understandings of what the soul is versus the spirit. So I don't want to cause confusion here other than to say that what he basically deduced was that um, we as humans have basically, you know, uh, a mind, spirit, soul, mind, soul, spirit in a body. Whereas um, many of the aliens, they did not have the, what I call the eternal now component that has mm -hmm. the power. Yes. And yes. so they may have a lesser energetic form, which would be like the lower laser, layers of the, what they call in Sanskrit, this koshas of the energy body. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have, let's say, the eternal battery component. Yeah. So this actually goes back to what the ancient Gnostics knew um, about the quality of the three types of humans and the types of souls and spirit. So this actually makes sense to me now after studying you know, the entirety of the Nag Hammadi library of the Gnostic literature and other literature in um, the Taoist and Tibetan Buddhist and Ayurvedic and Sanskrit um, and then combining and comparing this to what we know in our culture and metaphysically and then how the aliens are interacting and how they're actually what we discovered is that they're attaching to us in a way in which they can um, create like a break in between our mind spirit and soul so oh. that they're able to basically feed on the energy like a parasite would tap into your water line let's say in your home and then actually when they do that they can kind of block out our own line to our own spirit so that we don't have that internal communication as direct and as clear and they do this to basically hijack the will of our spirit so they can insert their own will and their own agenda through us so that we are acting more like uh, vehicles for their parasitism. I can absolutely see that happen. Yeah. I can. Yeah. But yeah. we do, we are eternal. And I'm just going to say it, not religiously, but good always can beat bad. And all we really have to do is for five minutes to connect with our higher, you know, soul. Yes. And that should be, you know, wouldn't that kind of knock them out? <laughs> you know, you would think so. And and this is something that has caused a lot of consternation with many people who've had, let's say, lifelong and multiple encounters in their family mm -hmm. lines. And they're, you know, and I, I don't want to be negative, but they're saying, you know, I prayed and I prayed and it didn't help. Right. And why do they why do they keep coming back? I'm doing everything I can and they're still getting through. It's like, what 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 laws are they operating by? And so this yeah. this is causes me to question, obviously, and as well as Dr. Corrado Malanga, because he stated it in his theories that in order to fully understand who they are and what they're doing, we must understand who we are, which is know thyself and, and that full degree of realization of, of remembrance of who we are on a spiritual level. And so that's actually not a real easy thing to do because as we come in here in incarnation, there's there's that wall of amnesia for most of us and that it's actually hard to remember and get into that state of that eternal now beingness in, in a physical body and a temporal world of time and space. So that makes it not easy to always connect with that part of our being. And I think 
there are theories that we've been actually programmed and degraded from a an original form which was much more spiritually attuned and even the, even the gnostic literature and some of the ancient literature attest to this that even in the ancient times we we not only had longer lifetimes but we seem to have more of a memory of who we were until certain events occurred and mm-hmm. those are really only noted in in myths and so all we really have is a lot of myths and what we're calling ancient history but in the Nag Hammadi library for example a lot of it they just call speculation because we really don't know for sure right. all we know is you know what are we living now and uh, what can we do to help remember that so that we can appropriately deal with and understand this this alien interaction that we're that so many people are having right let me go into some of what you've written and because I know that our audience is is thinking now well what are the symptoms of one of these relationships could you explain it to me and I guarantee they're all gonna say that uh oh <laughs> I've had it so just tell us a little bit about that well I mean Theoretically, there's, quote, the alien love bite, which was the first kind of notation that we used when we knew that, let's say, the person experiencing this knows that they have had some kind of alien encounters throughout their life, usually more than one, through probably from early childhood. And that, let's say, during an encounter, they um, met an alien and another, let's say, human abductee on the craft or in whatever the abduction scenario was which often is only remembered as a lucid dream, but sometimes they they are remembered very physically and come back with physical evidence. So I'm not saying this is all on the dream, but they'll be tied or bonded to another human individual, sometimes as young children where they play together on the ship, for example. And maybe one person will have more of a memory than the other, and then they may meet several times throughout their life and teenagers and adulthood by the aliens who repeatedly take them and put them together in different situations and emotional uh, bonding scenarios, and including sexual bonding. And then they may meet later in life, and, and then they have this instant attraction, uh, profound synchronicities. Uh, they may have deja vu. They may have flashback memories. And it seems, seems to activate there it feels like a soul bond i mean like definitely feels like a soul bond i mean it feels like they're twin flame you know and they may have telepathic contact with each other and profound synchronicities connections and this high drama that takes place that you know barbara bartholick had described to me that you know why don't these people i mean the trouble was a lot of them didn't stay together and there was this whole trauma drama kind of thing that happened where, you know, that maybe they too would have this connection, but one was already married to somebody else, so they mm-hmm. both were married to other partners. And so there was this unable un- inability to consummate the connection. But then if they did, then they went through this roller coaster of events where like the carrot was constantly being dangled and they couldn't get together mm-hmm. or, or just like so many weird things and high drama occurred, including paranormal activity and increased abductions during the whole drama of the love obsession. So love obsession was definitely one of the symptoms of at least one of the people, sometimes both. And a lot of times the love obsession is something that's stronger that they've ever felt in their entire life, even when they knew, let's say, they fell in love with somebody else and got married. And then they're hit with this and they're just totally dumbstruck because the connection with someone like this is so profound. You may have, you know, past life memories that emerge because you remember and a connection is so strong that you're liver you're literally pulsating as one being i mean it really is phenomenal i mean because i've experienced it myself i know mm-hmm. so and it's 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 difficult because a lot of times you can't consummate it or it, things don't work out for one reason or another so that's like part of the syndrome where in the alien love bite there's there's more evidence of the alien or the ET uh, interactivity with them, um, you know, the handlers or the watchers, and there's usually more evidence, at least on one person. Usually one person remembers more than the other, but oftentimes they both remember and can, you know, basically testify to each other's dreams that they had on board the craft, for example, in a, in a joint abduction. What if you so, don't remember anything about an abduction, but you're in a relationship, and I've read the books, so you're in one of those kind of relationships, but nobody talks about being abducted. Yeah, that's so common. 
unfortunately, that's a common um, element that they're not certain and they don't remember clearly. Sometimes one person really does remember more than the other and just the other person's presence could set off the deja vu memories and the flashbacks mm. and the real memory. But more often than not, because this is considered um, a taboo and a fringe subject and it's weird and more often than not, most people don't remember most of their abductions mm-hmm. unless they're very clear and they work very hard at, at doing their clearing work and their hypnotic regressions or whatever they do to help um, get their memories back and most people don't remember I think most people don't want to remember they don't yeah. want to have an aggression regression they don't want to yeah. think oh my god this is alien love you know <laughs> so uh, yeah um, you know it's traumatic though I think there is a lot of trauma involved especially if it happens from childhood and some claim that they don't have trauma but there's there's usually trauma there at least in some of the earlier or certain key abductions so and i think many people are conditioned over time if this has happened to you from a young age you're actually conditioned to them interacting with you and you responding to a, a certain way based on a certain cue that you've been preconditioned for and I, I would say that there is mind control there's some form of manipulation taking place and uh, you know it can include human groups so I'm not saying this is entirely alien although there are those that think that this is entirely alien in, in their case like you know it could be an alien gray that they remembered putting them together or they could remember a reptilian or a mantis or a tall white uh or um, different kinds of beings that are described. I also think that if you're very young, they can appear any way they want. They can and appear as animal characters, cartoon that's right. characters. Or yeah. angels or anything they want to if you like them. And they can appear to be non-threatening and you would go with that. And Absolutely. then as it goes on and on, it changes. Yeah, or they normalize it and, and if they mm-hmm. don't be afraid, like... Uh, some people have the large animals. I, I had the large cat kind of thing for me. And some people, you know, see the owls or the deer on the road and, and or a horse or an animal with large eyes. But really, it may be a gray that's impinging this image of familiarity right. so that they're not so shocked. Or maybe it's even our own minds because it's really hard to to deal with the some of them are so butt ugly, to be honest, that it's scary. And so people just black it out. You know, what was yours and, like? I'm sorry. What was uh, your experience like? Can you, you don't, do you want to not talk well, about that? Uh, I don't want to talk about mine. But okay, let's just give. But there's give, a, give us. <laughs> I was just going to mention any of them. Just like, give us one. Well, one of them. I mean, I I recounted the Ted Rice case, which was actually one of Dr. Carla Turner's books called Masquerade of Angels, and that one was good because it demonstrated that let's say the initial memory of Ted Rice when he was only 14, so he's like in junior high school, he was taken, you know, uh, he remembered being taken to the like the local playground in the middle of the night, taken on a craft and taken with other children. Um, he later saw other children on the craft, but when they came into his room, he thought that there were two angels who escorted him to this craft. Mm-hmm. And then as he got deeper into the memory and had had done some hypnotic regressions, he actually uh, saw that they were actually alien greys who escorted him on the ship and then actually did the uh, love bite thing, which was an energetic type of procedure um, done with like a, he called it a candy cane wand-like instrument where they literally um, kind of wove the energy of the heart chakra of the woman, her name was Jill, into his heart chakra. Mm-hmm. So there was literally a weaving of energies in a in a something that you could palpably feel in his experience. And then when that happened, he instantly felt as if their souls were joined when that took place on the craft. So they actually weaved in her essence into his, but they didn't really do the reverse to her. Right, right. And so basically how that played out, which is interesting because this happens in the love bite, is it'll be like what I call the one-sided love bite where he feels this connection and he truly, I mean, from one day he was just ordinary junior high kid who really didn't really care much about girls, but then the next day Mm -hmm. he was just like madly in love and it was just like a switch being flipped, you know? And they never feel it, the other one. The other one never feels it. 
for a while. He actually ended right. up having a relationship later in life. And this went on for years until they were like in college, you know, and they did have a relationship, but it was one of a lot of distress because she, she had a, an addiction problem, was kind of back and forth and really didn't have the same feelings and the same connection. So it was basically a one-sided love bite that played out as the unrequited love aspect on Ted's part, which threw him into great emotional distress. And so this was something that Barbara Bartholick basically helped Carla Turner in this case because Barbie actually did all the regressions. So I guess the reason why I put that case in the book is because it demonstrated so many different things that coexisted within the same person that showed a connection between many, many different elements and even many different kinds of alien beings on a single, like, uh, mothercraft type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I, um, yeah, they they were sad. A lot of them were sad. I thought um, Janice and Alex yes. had. I thought that was very sad. I, I just did. I don't know why. I guess I just thought it was sad. You know, so, some of them really strike strike me as very sad. And I thought that in a real world, I think Janice and Alex would have gotten together. No, right in the beginning. So that kind of just, I don't know how they were able to withhold becoming a Yeah, a most, people, most people can't if they don't, if they don't really know what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to resist because it feels like such a soul bond that you, it's yeah. very hard to break. But sometimes that can be lessened if, um, I mean, if the aliens actually could literally do like a switch off kind of thing, which is pretty sad and amazing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Although my sense, in let's say in my case, where I, I experience more than one because I've had this history, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll try. Actually, they'll try several people. Sometimes the other the ones they try just don't work for one oh. reason or another. <laughs> okay. But but I I still say that the love you feel is real because yeah. once you're connected by the heart and soul, you still do feel that, and it, it is genuine. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to end up being a realistic or a good relationship. And it usually comes with it a lot of difficulties and um, problems really so because they they tend to want to choose the one for you which tends to be i mean after i've studied this for years um let's say in the in the military abductions and the super soldiers and that kind of group they will be set up with others who are also in a project and they will they want to put people together as teams who will you know work with each other let's say on um, black operations together in these Mm -hmm. private let's say secret space program kind of things so what we've discovered is that many times the ones we said they set up are also in a program or maybe they don't even know that they're in a program and they're in a bloodline family where they're already being taken. So, but this is, you know, it's just something we're discovering all the time. And um, I mean, I've had some people report to me that, oh, yes, it worked and it was fine. But over the years, it, it actually broke down. Mm-hmm. And, and it really depends. Like I've had some people come to me and they said, well, it worked fine because they were working with the aliens as their uh, emissary and they were doing the agenda, feeling like they were doing the right thing, working with a particular group of aliens. And the aliens actually, um, it's like they give them a positive perk to do work for them, you know, um, and so they would give them um, somebody to have a relationship that that worked as long as they carried out their agenda. So. I've had things like that be reported to me and um, where they do special favors for you if you do special favors for them. So, but I, yeah, I think there's some ethical issues there, but I I don't want to go on that. It is. Well, of course it is. (laughs) Can I ask you a question um, and give you a a kind of synopsis about a relationship that's a very long one? Um, I knew someone who was usually... Um, this girl used to go from person to person to person and she met a guy this is going back God I think 25 years and she met someone who was not really they were both completely different everybody thought they would never ever get together and they did and they stayed married they're still married and it's going on I don't know 20 30 years I don't know but their life was very difficult and but they stayed together through every everything imaginable, any kind of bad thing you could imagine. It was like a joke. It was so bad. Wow. Um, and then 
all of us, and he was a very nice guy. Like I used to laugh because he was too nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, just recently, he stopped loving her. Oh, no. Like literally, literally. Like first he loved too much, and now he loves her not at all. Is that an alien thing? Well, I mean, if they were together that long, there could be other contributing factors to, you know, maybe why he was just had enough. You know, I mean, sometimes that happens in long term marriages where, you know, you just throw in the towel because you're you're, let's say, living with an alcoholic or a workaholic or somebody. No, who, no, I know yep. them. It's not that. It's just, oh. She just said he woke up one day, one day, like literally like that. Uh. That's possible now, if there's if there's let's say you have to look at the quote the whole clinical picture. For example, right. this was something that was actually brought up in one case in the in the love bite where, yeah, actually the guy was only married for two years, but I remember he had gone on a camping trip with yeah, his I read then that wife, <laughs> and then after the camping trip because they abducted him, you know, they did some command or whatever, and then it was like a switch being flipped, and they had problems and they broke up. And the same thing happened in the case of Andrew, where he was dating this woman in Europe or whatever, and then the aliens came and were basically messing with her and poking her and, and threatening her while she was in bed, right? And, and because they didn't want him to be with her, they only wanted him to be the ones they chose. And so they basically scared the shit out of her, and because she couldn't deal with it, she just left suddenly and because she was in PTSD mode but had amnesia of what really happened basically. And well, so that actually happens a lot where there's some kind of interference that happens on another level, but most people don't remember or they block it out because they're so traumatized by it that they just have this sudden reactionary uh, kind of thing. And then they just, they just leave. I completely forgot. Yeah. We used to, we used to meet a lot with them and she, he used to make this alien face at her oh. and, I, I swear to God, Elaine used to get so terrified she would run into the bedroom. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, why would he do that? Okay, I'm not talking anymore. She'll kill me. Don't listen, <laughs> Elaine. Anyway, so, oh, my God, really? Oh, my God, I'm dying here. Okay, so yeah. does that really mean he was um, – that? But, well, I mean, what? even even him showing her the alien face. Uh, no, we were watching remember, a movie. We were watching uh-oh. a movie. It was alien movies. So no, but no, she ran. Yeah, her- but for some people who have like, let's say, hidden alien abduction histories, right? Oh. Um, they may have um, those extreme reactions to even seeing the the face of a. Let's say, remember Bud Hopkins' first book. Um, I forgot the name of it, but it was, you know, the classic in alien abduction, and it was the picture of the alien on the front cover. And I remember people saying when they saw that picture, they, they either freaked out or it caused them to have memories come back. And it was like a, oh a key moment in their lives to either wake up or just get very frightened because even the image of something that was similar to one of these abduction entities could throw them into extreme post-traumatic stress mode, you know, wow. trigger now I'm dying to know whether who was the one that got abducted in that one. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, I'm not yeah, at some point, you know, they do they do interfere because sometimes they'll take the wrong people. I remember a, a gal who I think it was her daughter went to a friend's apartment and and they usually took um, the daughter, right, because she was a daughter of an abductee because they take the family line. So she was with another girlfriend and I think they shared an apartment and they, they switched rooms for one reason or another. Uh, and then the aliens actually got the roommate on accident because it's usually it was usually her room. So it, it created like this this situation where sometimes they do the wrong thing because they think it's you and maybe somebody's in your room or, you know, that kind of thing. Aren't they smarter than that? Well, they usually are, but it's <laughs> funny. Uh, Daryl Sims had some cases where he showed that it, the certain ones, like with the there's certain ones who are sent just to do the pickup job. Mm-hmm. A lot of times those are the, what they call the EBEs or the small grays that are more robotic and maybe more of a extra biological entity robot being. So all it does is take commands and do things in a very systematic manner. So if you can confuse one of them, sometimes they do make mistakes or they'll, they'll bring you back, you know, with your clothes on wrong or wearing somebody else's or coming back with something on the ship that was somebody else's that happened to somebody i knew in san diego where she came back with a stuffed animal that wasn't even hers <laughs> and you know couldn't figure out where she got it and so there's different things that happen where they they make 
they do make mistakes or they do things that they don't ordinarily do or people remember when they're not supposed to. Sometimes people wake up in the midst of an abduction and they're not supposed to and it really freaks out the beings who are doing it and they take precautions to put them out immediately because sometimes violence occurs. In fact, one of Daryl Sims' cases, and I'm sure there's others by now, I mean, this has been going on for a long time, that he actually instructed one woman to bring back not only evidence after waking up an encounter to get lucid, but to bring back evidence. So she actually, I don't know if she killed a gray, but she snapped its neck and, and she killed it. And, and I've met others who actually killed them. I yeah. thought that they they could hurt us much more than we could hurt them. No? Well, well, reptilians can, and some of the larger beings, but the greys are actually not as strong. Their their minds are strong to control us, but physically, if they can't control our minds, we can be quite a threat to them. Actually, mm. so as much they want to control us so bad. <laughs> as much wanna, as I I want to talk, I still want to go into. Um, what their real motive is with the relationship thing, but then I want to talk about the FBI involvement. That's very important. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, that, that was a good case. It was the the Mia Adams and the Jordan case. Yes. Although that was actually extracted from a woman who wrote her own book about her experiences called yes. the Exiles, Exiles, or something. Exiles. Yes. And I I really thought this was like a phenomenal case because I was a biochemist, so. At the time when she related one of the things that was discovered in her case, they put her together literally with her uh, her mitochondrial yes. son. Okay, yes. mm -hmm. So basically the son was the product of um, three parents, uh, and he was somebody – he was the FBI agent. He was a bloodline abductee Okay, mm -hmm. by birth, by, by genetic conception, right, because he was yes. an experiment. And so they took the uh, chromosomal DNA out of her – egg and mm -hmm. then put in DNA from two other parents and then conceived him in vitro and then implanted it into the womb of the other woman. That but broke he, my heart. He yeah. had the mitochondrial DNA of the original egg donor who was Mia. And so the study was according to her and what she discovered through regression and through him, the Jordan, was that the aliens were conducting some kind of non-tangible energy field connection between two people who were bonded in that way and I, I thought well maybe it's mitochondrial DNA but it could be something more subtle and indescribable according to our known science but it was it was a sad case but that one actually had a lot of evidence and a lot of involvement with you know alphabet soup agencies and that does occur with people not only who have alien abduction histories who are known to be hybrids because she, he actually mm -hmm. knew that the agency you know definitely did you know investigating her personal history with whatever files she had because she was involved in a, in a MyLab abduction at age 17. That was all described in the book and for this project, you know. So, and he supposedly found out through his superiors and his other research that she was basically part alien. I know. And um, he was, in this particular story, she had she had no maternal feeling for him and she really didn't have any romantic feeling for him he on the other hand became very yeah. obsessed with mia yes. and it was it was so sad for me and yeah. um I, I don't really I, I don't know sometimes she felt he was fishing for information yes. sometimes she believed him but I what hurt so much was that he yeah. did end up finding out the truth of the FBI involvement. Yes. And then what was even sadder was she found out he died. However, she's not sure he's really dead. Yeah, and that could have been a a fake death, although I don't know. In the letter that he wrote her, which was mm -hmm. reprinted in the book, um, it had a lot of unusual um, typos that looked to be deliberate as if it was a code, but she never did figure out what it was. Although I'm, I'm thinking that it could have been a death that was faked just to resolve the situation because it was actually getting out of hand. He was actually sent in on her according to his instructions to quote neutralize her. Right, but and I don't think that I don't think that meant killing, but I think okay. it meant neutralizing her from her path in the alien abduction research as well as telling her story that involved the quote military element because it was evident there was a lot of evidence with the phone tampering and the surveillance and the weird little antics they did 
when he visited her. I mean, to me, it was obvious, you know, he was an agency person who was actually probably in an MKUltra project, and whether or not he knew that, because he was also abducted as a child, but he was also probably MKUltra on top of it, and then sent in, and in, you know how they're encouraged to join certain agencies, and many... Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you, many high-level alphabet soup agencies people and the family bloodlines that populate those careers are oftentimes not only bloodline families, but they're often those who are already in projects and they're mind-controlled. And I hate to say it, but I've seen it over and over and over enough times to know how to identify that. Okay, help me here. So I get very confused. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's, when we yeah, get so into it, the- it is, his job, I mean, but identify it later. He was sent in to handle her, right, and to neutralize her as part of the FBI and the mind control directives that he was given. Although underneath that agenda, you know, basically is the alien agenda was superior to what the military FBI agencies were doing according to how it appeared, let's say. And the appearance of that particular agenda or project experiment was to study this non-tangible energy field between basically a mitochondrial son who had three parents essentially and how strong is the bond between him and the uh the ovum donor basically mm-hmm. how strong is that connection and truly there is a connection between those who have similar mitochondrial dna and there's there was even a study on um, bonobos for example that those who have similar mitochondrial dna do have closer social uh, bonds and connections with one another but I still think that, you know, as a mother myself uh, and who has a son, that the mother-son bond with me and him is strong on that level. That there's we just know when they're hurting or when something's happening. I do. And some, we have an instant dream. We have an instant feeling. We just know, you know, with our children. Yes, And the I mother-child do. thing is very strong. It is. What I don't understand and what I think I need help with is that – um, what what role and why do the, our government agencies? How do they work with them or against them? Or what what is this? What are they doing? What do they know? Why? Oh yeah, that's a, it's a very good question. And uh, after doing this for many many years, I would say that um, the governments and military are just a lower echelon of the higher hierarchy of those in control who are orchestrating events like chess players and that uh, it is directed by the higher level bloodline. Some say, quote, the Anunnaki's, but I'm not so sure that's really who or what they are. And I think it goes back to something more spiritual, but it definitely has some kind of alien component that appears to be non-human and you know we go back into the biblical literature of the giants and the you know Adam and Eve story and the Gnostic um, different stories of the, the rape of Eve by the different archons and then the hybrid bloodlines that came from those lines versus the ones that were the Sethian um, the Adam and Eve pure lines and the what how that actually brought about what they call the three different types of human soul spirit combinations as a result of those original um, creations and prototypes but there was probably many different prototypes over a long period of time that wasn't as simplified as what they're talking about in the bible or even in the nag hammadi library i think there's there's so much more that has been hidden from us unfortunately but i think that genetics can tell us a lot now with what Mm -hmm. we're discovering um Mm -hmm. yeah so what oh i'm sorry are you not finished no and i i forgot what what else you said so just continue on and then i'll yeah, I think what I was asking was, what is the FBI's agenda? Oh, goodness. Well, they're a federal agency, and they have their own thing. And so it's just that in alphabet soup agencies, they tend to have certain key people in order to control certain organizations so that the agendas are fulfilled at a very high level. So there may be very innocent people within many of these organizations as well as politics who don't know or they're not aware of the full extent of how this is playing out and there's not to put blame because there's a lot of really good people who do want to do social services and you know serve their community. It's just that um, they have been infiltrated and corrupted, and it's clearly evident, and it's playing out now, I think, more in history than any other time in our history to observe how the corruption takes place. And that that's actually a big study in and of itself in terms of, you know, if we want to create 
our own new communities based on principles that are not the same paradigm because this paradigm is not really working mm-hmm. on many levels and how to do something that is pure on a relationship level, a family level, a community level, or even a political larger area like a state or a country. How can we do this in a way where the same problems don't keep ensuing, which has to do with corruption of these elite power mongers that have certain characteristics? And so this is something that I think is important in terms of what I call our spiritual discernment and discriminating wisdom so that we can nip it in the bud when we know it becomes a problem in our relationship, in our family, in our community, in our business corporations. And this goes back to something I brought up on other shows and not really on my last two books per per se, but in the, in the Dark Side of Cupid, I talk about what we call the blind spots that we have when, let's say, we have an obsession, a love obsession with someone who is, a, like, say, a love bite, and but they're being somehow manipulated by a third-party entity or hyperdimensional mm-hmm. being, uh, which could be, you know, ET or play many masks, okay? Mm-hmm. But, but why is it that uh, we become blind in love and some of these things and that It also feels like a very spiritual experience. It feels like a soulmate. And so the question I had to ask is like, why do we have these blind spots? Why, if if love is the most powerful thing of all, why is it blinding us to something that is actually quite predatory? And I had to ask myself that question, even Mm -hmm. in my own life. What was causing the blind spots and the lack of discernment and the lack of being able Mm -hmm. to see things for what they are on a a more pure spiritual level, to be able to just to see it for what it is? And so there's some people who actually have, let's say, a more clairvoyant perception, and they're able to actually perceive things from their gut. But Mm -hmm. in in these love relationships, I've had people who are, you know, clairvoyants, and they're, you know, high-caliber people and, and really good ethical people mm-hmm. who, who get hit over the head with these things and they're, and they're just so shocked and bewildered that this had happened and they didn't even know that the person that they were involved with was literally like, um, you know, a demonically or a reptilian hosted vampire from hell, you know? Right. Yeah. So there's something that gives us blindness and that is something that I try to work with clients where we can go back and resolve original traumas and reconnect with the parts of ourselves that have been maybe dissociated or blocked off from the higher communication with our spirit and our heart that will give us that purity of perception so that if this happens again, that we'll be able to see it and be aware of it much more quickly and be able to navigate around these potential roadblocks in our life that cause interference. Because, you know, it, it really hurts to have a love bite if it doesn't work out well. And it, and it's it, people have been really hurt for a number of years from some yes. of these things. So yes. it's good to have that insight and that gut instinct and the heart wisdom to be able to see through these things. Like once you have it, but sometimes it happens two, three, four times. You're like, man, yeah. <laughs> why am I not right. getting it? You know? And we always and think it's us. Yes, we think we yeah. pick the wrong people and sometimes these obsessions last for years yeah, and it's and horrible and there's a reason actually for that i mean mm-hmm. there's a reason that actually was demonstrated in the ted rice case and but you know any psychic or energy worker could probably perceive this that there literally is a tangible energy cord that yes. goes from one of your chakras usually or maybe maybe even all of them or usually the heart and the solar and the genital but could be all of them or any one of them i Literally. actually get it a lot when it's the it's, second chakra oh, for some yeah. reason it's a second chakra a lot of times yeah yeah and that one will link in and so once you still have that connection that's why the telepathic linking and the and the back and forth pinging goes on even years after you know you may have broken up and i think i interviewed some man on it was a website article who had had something happen interdimensionally with a woman that he was corresponding with on from a, one of these blog uh, forums in another country even and you know he because he was clairvoyant he perceived the interdimensional beings that came and did something to him and then there mm-hmm. was this instant psychic soulmate kind of connection but it was really a love bite and it was agenda oriented according to the spiritual group that this this woman was part of and that he was part of but then he realized that this is this didn't feel right to him and so he basically commanded you know with his own guides and his own meditation process you know you could be very creative with this that he commanded it to be severed and and the actually the interdimensional beings on the woman's end actually abided by his request and severed the connection and then it 
was no more. But it was literally a love bite was created that he believed was agenda oriented according to this new age kind of group that she was a part of. Mm-hmm. So there are certain hyperdimensional beings that can play matchmaker and mm-hmm. put people together in it because they want them to be as a team to carry out, let's say, an agenda for the hierarchy, for example. And that happens in cult groups all the time. So mm-hmm. this okay. hyperdimensional aspect is something that I think happens more often than not. And we just didn't recognize it for what it was. It kind of had this nebulous feel, but nobody could really point finger on what exactly it is because it's hyperdimensional. Got it. So, Eve, um, I we have to get to closing the show and it's making me cry because I believe you need another hour in our, to talk to us. But guys, if you want to contact Eve, as I know you will, you can get her at uh, my website. Yes, Oh, yeah. I don't know if you had it there. It's I do. I have everything. But go ahead, please. Yeah, well, my website um, has a little contact form. You can write in a message, evelorgan.com, as well as um, both my books, Dark Side mm-hmm. of Cupid and Love Bite, are available through Amazon, not only hard copy, but Kindle. Mm-hmm. So they're still available, and there's a lot of information in those books, even now, even though the last one was 2012, and I'm actually working on something new with a oh, colleague wow. and so I, I'm needing to take time out actually for a while to do more research and writing so that I can continue on you know from where I am now and continue on into a vein that I feel will be helpful on many levels so and Eve can you please tell everyone where they can get services that you give on over the phone and however you do it in groups uh, well right now I do privates via telephone and Skype, although mm-hmm. I've um, taken a time out so that I can do some research and writing, but I still take current and former clients and depending on my schedule. So all they have to do is just email me um, and then ask me how my schedule is. And then if, if I have an opening, then we can set something up. So but it's usually email? long distance. Um, That's okay. Uh, yeah, Please. it's e- at gmail.com. Okay, everybody. Eve Lorgan at gmail.com. No, no, it's E Lorgan, just the Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I but could the write website you is probably know. easier. Yeah. Okay. Fun. So you can reach her and please read her books. The reason I'm saying this is because if you're hearing it on the radio, you might not be feeling the effect when you read the case histories. And when you read them, you are absolutely going to think, oh, my God, that's me. Oh, my God, that's me. (laughs) So please get it. She offers so much help, and she's amazing. So we're going to close now. Thank you, Eve. Well, thank Um, you. (laughs) So we're going to close now, and I'll see you next week on BBS Radio with Meta Mondays with me, Adina B. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.